0: Welcome to Always Bev, The Ripple Effect. I am your host, Barb Jordan. Literally was like he was possessed by a demon. It's been a minute since my last episode, and my guest today dabbled in online dating. And anybody that knows me knows that I am screaming from the rooftops, no. So she has the strength and the courage to share this story with us, which is extremely wild. I found it myself terrifying, which I don't find very many things to scare me. But
1: her story had me on the edge of my seat. Teasing is what she caught on to. She okay. just felt the teasing was not a good sign, and she was right. Made <music> this spidey sense that was like, get out of the house, Heather. Get out of the house. Get out of the house.
0: And my guest today, she has an impressive resume. She began her career back on Capitol Hill. She's got a BA in political science from Southern Methodist University and a MA in journalism from USC in communications and journalism. Now, she serves as a media advisor to the nonprofit Project Include, and she was part of the team that launched Time's Up. She's a noted crisis management and communication strategist. That's where she's at today. She's been named one of the top women in PR and currently is a managing director and has served for some of the world's leading public relation firms. Obviously, she's highly intelligent. She's got a lot of confidence. And that just goes to show you that some of these predators out there, they're very good at what they do and they're very good at breaking people down. Everybody give a big welcome. My guest today is Heather Wilson. Heather, thank you so much for sharing your story. Happy to be here this morning. Yeah, yeah. So you dabbled in
1: online dating uh, after all these years. Uh, What made you do that? So uh, a good friend of mine had been on using the dating apps for a while and You know, I guess had found, felt it was fairly enjoyable. I suppose so. She really encouraged me to do it, and before that, I had only ever done, you know, in real life. And she's like, "Oh, that everyone's doing it now." And this was a couple years ago, and you know, really encouraged me, told me to do it. So I was like, "Okay, I'll." She's like, "Are you meeting anybody in real life?" I was like, "Well, at that moment, I hadn't." So. That was my fateful decision. Okay. That was
0: your plunge.
1: Okay. uh, Were
0: you nervous at all? Like, were you concerned for your safety as you like were filling out the information? Did you like, just were you like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm doing this.
1: I I should have probably been more afraid of my safety uh, given what happened. But no, that was actually the least thing on my mind. Because again, I'm, I knew people, my friend who encouraged me to do it. And never had anything questionable happen to her. You know, she'd met some jerks, but like normal everyday jerks. Um, my brother met his wife, you know, 15 years ago online. Uh, I had other friends who met their spouses online. Um, that was further in the past. Maybe it was a little safer in the past. I don't know. Um, so I didn't know anyone who had a scary experience, really. So Mm. it it wasn't top of mind. And I also thought the apps, they advertise about their safety. So I thought perhaps they did due diligence, to be frank. so
0: Okay. So what did you put in your bio? What were some of the things where you would
1: attract somebody? Oh, gosh. I'm trying to remember. Um, Like, what was your picture? What'd you put for your picture? A picture was actually, my main picture was a picture from vacation. I was in... Uh, I think I was in Sedona with a couple girlfriends. And so it was a picture of that. It was just of me though, from it. And I think that was my main one. The other ones were, um, I remember I had like a winter coat on because it was cold okay. in Sedona. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like, I, I don't do bikini shots. It was very, you know, I'm kind of a preppy conservative person. Um, had my little winter coat on. And I think the other pictures in there were, you know, a full shot, and again, I was in a dress. Um, I can't remember what the other one was. Again, I think another picture from the Sedona trip. Okay, um, but that was those are the pictures. As far as what was in the profile,
0: give me um, two nuggets,
1: just two nuggets. My memories, I probably talked about, uh, you know, hiking and enjoying wine. I feel like I remember that from it. Um, beyond that, I don't remember. I do know I so. I was on Bumble. I only did the one and they sort of some automatic prompts they have you do. So I probably picked that. I know it was seeking a relationship. Um, and they have you sort of do some other fun things, but it was, you know, I, this is my first foray. So I probably, you know, I didn't get too elaborate. I kept it short. That was my friend's advice. Like keep it short to the point. Sound OK, <laughs> so well, what, what about
0: what about the individual who you decided to date? Can Can you tell me a couple of nuggets from his bio? How did he tug on your strings? I can hardly wait to hear this.
1: Um, he well, I remember. So one thing that I in my brief period of time on Bumble and I've talked to other women who've been on the apps And not just Bumble, but the general apps that a lot of the men are frankly kind of lame in their communication. It's like, Hey, what's up? And there's no, like, you can't go anywhere. You feel like you're constantly the one like leading the conversation and like, they don't ask you questions. It's just sort of this, Hey, what's up? It's like, okay, you're such a conversationalist. He actually was came across as, you know, (laughs) being communicative in his, in his like first message and actually said things and engaged in a conversation. And there wasn't this like teeth pulling that it felt like with some of the other people I had matched with where they just, it was like duds. Um, and so that's kind of what stood out is he was a good communicator, which I hate to say was rare. (laughs) At least I was, you know, I live in LA and I don't know whether, I don't think it's just an LA thing. I think it might be a nationwide problem with these apps, but that's how he stood out.
0: Okay. And his picture, was he good looking?
1: Good looking. Um, and you know, his picture was, he looked very like all American guy, um, smiling, you know, all that nothing and nothing. Um, you know, the, the stereotypical, like wasn't holding a, fishing picture. He wasn't, he didn't have a dog on his lap. He did. Oh, there was a dog in one of the pictures. I do think there was a dog on a picture, but like the auto turnoffs that I would not swipe on or people who like the like bare chest or the gym photos, like that was kind of a turnoff. He did not have those. So he passed sort of the litmus test of like, okay, there aren't like the, the fishing pictures or the, the gym shots or half naked pictures in the mirror, which is our, I think are gross. So
0: uh, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, tells you a little bit about their personality. Yeah. Okay. You know what you're getting?
1: <laughs> Although I should have known in mine too.
0: So. <laughs> so you decide to meet them at one point you're going to meet, where was the first place you guys met?
1: Um, we met, uh, at a winery, uh, down in, uh, orange County. So it was just kind of a halfway point. He lived in San Diego and I'm up in So We kind of met halfway at a winery and he knew it and he uh, picked it and um so that's where we first met. So
0: you you enjoyed yourself enough to where you met up with him again?
1: Yes. Yeah, in fact, he um we hit it off. It went uh, you know, it was fun and he asked me out to go see a movie the next day. So, um we went out and saw can movie. I think it was, it was a war movie, is our call. Um, so we we went out to the movies the next day.
0: Okay, so I mean, I'll just ask you if if he lives down in San Diego and you're up in you know South LA, did you both go home and then you met again halfway the next day?
1: Yes. Yeah. So we met. um back in orange County the next day. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. All right.
0: I'm glad you didn't take him home the first. Oh (laughs) no, no, definitely
1: not. Good work (laughs) on your part. No. And I like had my car and I told, that was everything I told my, um, two of my friends where I was going Uh and checked in with them, like kind of throughout. So that I did, it was drove myself to the winery, drove myself home from the winery, um, and to the movies, and, um, I told my friends where I was and I told my friend when I got home, uh, Okay. so yeah, the second date was like in the middle of the day. So, but I did, I, th- I did the same thing. I told her cause I'm like, well, date two, who knows if he's a serial killer yet. <laughs>
0: yeah, <laughs> Who knows what, what he's got in his back pocket. Right, right. Okay. So as you date him and as your relationship develops, tell me a few qualities about what you liked about him. what, 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 what was attractive?
1: So he, um, had been a high ranking officer in the military. He was taught, you can retire younger, um, from the service. Um, so that seemed, you know, I had, my grandfather had been an officer in the army. And so there was some, I think maybe familiarity in that, in that it seemed like, um, you know, had he, he at least espoused shared values, um, you know, that he was, you know, a ethical, um, responsible person. And, you know, I knew from having family members who had been in the service that to get to a certain rank usually did take at least a level of dedication and, you know, hard work and things like that. So those are sort of attributes that sort of stuck out. And he definitely like played those up too in retrospect.
0: Okay. But what about towards you? How did he make you feel as a woman, as somebody in in a relationship that was developing? What were some of his characteristics that you were like, oh, you know, this is what I really like about him?
1: So he was very attentive and very communicative, which, you know, I remember uh, when I was driving home I think it was from the movies I think it was the second night the second date after the movies he called me while I was driving back home and was like gushing and I remember being like oh my gosh that's um kind of taken aback <laughs> like no one had done that before I guess um and he was very very open about how much he liked me and how much we have in common and um you know very sort of things you, you know, we all think we want. It's the communicative and interested and planning and, you know, proactive in planning, not like this, you know, do you want to do, you know, the dragging. Right, the right, teeth. right. Um, so
0: within, yeah. so, so within less than 24 hours, he showed you just how wonderful you were and that he liked you. And so, and you kind of were like, Oh, this is, this is, this is really nice. Like, right. But all in less than twenty-four hours.
1: Yes, which red flag? <laughs> I know. Right, I know. We all, <laughs> I've learned a lot about red flags since then. <laughs> okay.
0: Um, so, as you continue dating, it's it was right before COVID, and then COVID yeah. hit. So, did you were you able to see him during COVID?
1: Yeah. So we met um, in January of 2020, and so then fast forward to March 2020. Um, and obviously the relationship progressed in those three months before lockdown hit. And then when, um, we were sent into lockdown, uh, he started coming up to my house, uh, in LA, at least every other weekend he had his son, I think those alternative weekends. Um, but he was coming out would call me all the time. He would come up. And again, it's lockdown, so I'm not going to the office anymore. I'm working from home. I can't see my friends anymore because we're all like stuck in our houses. And, um, you know, March, April of 2020 was pretty scary because you just didn't know what was going on with the virus, like what was going to happen. And, you know, I live in California, which we were in a pretty restrictive lockdown out here. And, um, so you really weren't going anywhere. Like you were allowed to go to the grocery store, right? kind of it, like the drugstore, and the grocery store. That was all that was open. And so he very quickly became like the only human that I really saw in person, uh, during that time. Yeah. Did
0: he respect the COVID lockdowns?
1: He did actually. Yeah. He worked for, um, hospital as an administrator. And so he he did have to go into the hospital because obviously they were, um, uh, I can't remember the word we use now for those, (laughs) uh, essential personnel. So he actually had to go into work, uh, and, you know, wore the mask. He respected the rules and all that stuff. So, um, at least that's what I was telling me. I hope that was true. I never got COVID, so touch wood. I guess I'm not going wood. Okay,
0: yeah. All right. So you guys are dating. Things are yep. going well. You get to yep. see him during COVID, which emotionally for you is wonderful because you're having like human interaction where right. unless you're married, like you didn't really have that with a lot of people unless you did right. Zoom.
1: Right. And that was is- really... That was at Zoom was all I had with everybody else. Yeah. Right,
0: right. So, you know, quickly you guys develop like an emotional relationship. Is that do you do you yeah. agree to that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And during this time, other than his job, tell me a couple things that he told you about himself that he wanted you to know. That you didn't know, but he wanted to make sure that you knew this about him.
1: So early on. And I now realize another red flag early on. He told me about his ex-wife, um, the mother of, uh, his son. And he told me, um, about, you know, it was all very negative stuff about her and painted her as crazy and vindictive and jealous. And they've been divorced for several years so he told me the story about her early on and about his custody battle and all this other stuff. And so painted himself very much as the victim. Um, and now I am not like a total idiot.
0: (laughs) And,
1: uh, I knew that there's two sides to the story and that, you know, she probably had some colorful things to say about him as well. So I, to be honest, I listened to it. But I also was always like, mm, I'm sure she's not quite as bad as he's saying, like right. take it with a grain of salt. Like, of course, that's his view. But, you know, her perspective could be something different. So I didn't buy his story wholesale, but I was like, oh, OK, that's interesting. I should have taken it more of a red flag. But anyways, for what it's worth, I always did have a little bit of a question mark on how crazy and vindictive. The poor woman actually was. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, can, did, when he spoke about her yeah. and you may or may not remember this, did he ever name call her?
1: Yeah. His nickname for her was Satan. That tells okay. you anything. Yeah.
0: Okay. Looking yeah. back now, now that you're so much smarter, do you think that that's concerning when somebody calls their ex uh, a name like that? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, you know, I have, uh, family members and friends who certainly have used color for language to describe their exes. So I, I'll be honest. It was like 50, 50 on it. It wouldn't be an odd. Cause again, I know people who are like very decent people who their ex truly probably is Satan. <laughs> um, so <laughs> it wasn't a great sign, uh, right. especially early on, like sure. he told me very early on. And that was more of the concerning one. I was like, that's interesting that he's, I remember flagging it. I was like, why is he telling me this? so early. And cause I certainly wasn't going to go into like my whole history that early either. Um, so what I realized later was that it was a manipulative device to try and extract information out of me. Yeah. And the difference is I am a crisis manager by profession. And so I'm not I don't give out information that easily so he did have to like he didn't get that like it didn't work for a while like he did ultimately extract it but not by telling me this story about his ex wife which was was cuz I could tell he's like and now you will tell me and I was like <laughs> <laughs> okay I can tell you all
0: right so as it goes along uh you tell me how many months but he has a fantastic idea how did he what was the idea and how did he how and where did he introduce it to you
1: Oh, it was probably, it was, gosh, probably nine, 10 months later. Like, um, yeah, I'd say about nine or 10 months later, getting up to like, we'd been together close to a year on this point. Uh, you know, we're still in lockdown. It's, uh, end of 2020, beginning of 2021. Um, so we've now been in lockdown for close to a year, nine, 10 months. vaccines are not out yet and but at least we're getting close. So he broached and if you remember during this time period there started to be stories about people leaving their where they were and going to you know different cities, especially people on the coast moving to like the middle of the country or the south because it was cheaper cost of living, more open space, all these things that you know we weren't tethered to offices anymore. So this was out there in sort of the narrative of the country and that people were leaving LA, San Francisco, New York and moving to like Texas and Florida and Arizona and Montana and things like this. So he brought this up. He's like, well, you work remote. And at that point, I was going to continue to be working remote. And, you know, it was, it's very confining after a while. And so he brought up like, "Hey, why don't we move to Texas?" We both had lived there. I had gone to college there, and he had been stationed there before he moved back to moved to California um, because that's where his his uh, kid was. And so I was like, "Oh, okay, that could be interesting." Um, So he really pitched this idea of moving to Dallas. We both had lived there before, you know, lower houses were less, were less expensive than they are in California, bigger yard, all the, all the stuff. Um, and you know, so (laughs) sure. Okay. Let's, why not? We'll, we'll check it out. So we flew down to, to, uh, Dallas and the houses are gigantic compared to anything out here. They've got gigantic yards. Uh, you know, I was, in the process of adopting a puppy and he had two big dogs. And so the yard was a good feature. So that was the selling point on the Texas part. Uh, I also looking back now realize that the timing of this also coincided with the government's announcement that we had vaccines and that they were going to be rolling out the vaccinations soon. And the vaccines would mean an end to the lockdowns and therefore my life could resume. Cause at this point for 10 months, other than a very carefully coordinated thing with one of my friends who also had been very careful with the COVID roles, I wasn't, I didn't see anybody in right. person. I saw my family. Um, there was a death in the family. So I had to fly to the East coast for, to, to for that. Um, and other than that, I hadn't really, you know, seen people. Um and so I I now think the move to Texas was a ploy to continue the isolation because I didn't know anyone in Texas. Um I'm I'm a Californian. Uh, all my contacts are in California and I feel that perhaps he did it to just find a way to continue the isolation because he had Like I now know how much control he had been able to have over me in those nine, 10 months of lockdown at that point. Mm
0: -hmm. And so you had, uh, you have a home. I don't need you to tell everybody where you live, but you live in a beach city. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Did you sell your property?
1: So yeah, I sold it and, um, uh, I bought, I was the one who bought the house in the Dallas area. And so it was interesting how, (laughs) How he played that one. So he had... I'm trying to remember when he did this because it was kind of late in the game where he dropped this one on me. So he confessed at some point in time. I think it was after he broached Texas. um, He confessed that he actually had another ex-wife and that... He was ashamed to admit that he had been married twice and it it actually she wasn't fully so it was like they were in the final stages of a divorce that they had been separated for years she lived somewhere else i can't remember where he said she lived texas i actually think she he said she lived texas um but not dallas like someplace else in texas um and but they were in the final stages And that, uh, so because they were in the final stages of divorce and he was concerned that she might try to make a money grab at the house, that the house, that to be bought house in Texas, that I should just buy the house on my own, but he would contribute financially and all that good stuff, but that I should do it. And, um,
0: did you think that was a good idea?
1: You know, at first I was obviously taken aback because I thought it was going to be, you know, a team effort and we were doing this together. Mm -hmm. And, but you know, there was one little thought that sort of went into my head that I probably should have, my thought was like, maybe that's better. I remember thinking maybe it's better if it's on my own, like then it's mine. And I should have listened because the little part of my voice that said, maybe it's better that you do this on your own, Heather. Um, Probably was the part that was like because we're not sure he's trustworthy, and the, honestly, that ended up being the one gift that this person gave to me was letting me by the <laughs> letting me by the house by myself because it was mine. Okay,
0: what did your friends and family say when you were moving and you are moving with him and you were going to Texas? What what were th- what were their thoughts?
1: So my family was totally for it. So they liked him. So they had met him, actually. I forgot about that. So, um, we'd gone back, I guess around Christmas time at Christmas. Um, and he met my family and, uh, I met his too, actually. So that's other just two little tidbits. I met his, I talked to, I like, I remember talking to his brother on the phone on multiple occasions. Um, I ended up meeting his family. Maybe that was after we moved to Texas. But anyways, my family met him and uh thought he was great, were totally supportive. And my family lives on the East Coast. So, you know, Texas is closer than California is. So I think they were also, they liked the idea of me being not as far away. Um, you know, all of that. So they were very supportive of it, the relationship, moving, all that. You know, my friends were uh, my friends and sort of took the tact of like, if it makes you happy, like, you know, if it makes you happy either because one of my, one of my very close friends saw flags in him early and I really wish I had like, just listened yeah. a little more to her because she saw things early that I was seeing, but I didn't realize the that how much of a marker they were about. You know what I'm saying? Like what? What, What'd she see? So very early on, he would tease me a lot about, um, it started with my anxiety over COVID. And again, this is the early days of COVID when I think all of us were pretty spooked about it. Like this weird virus has come out that is killing people and we can't leave our homes. Uh, Seems like a pretty normal thing to be scared of a global pandemic. Uh, And so he would mock my... um, you know, mocked just my anxiety over the ever lengthening lockdown and, you know, the economy was in a weird spot and all this. And I worried about my job and, you know, all this stuff. And so I told her uh, that he was teasing me about this. And she's like, that's not a good thing to tease somebody. She's like, why is he? She said, first of all, somebody cares about you, shouldn't tease you. And she was a thousand percent correct. And she also like, she's like, and on the point of like, that's a fully legitimate thing to be scared of. Like, we're all scared of COVID. If you're not scared of COVID, you're either a conspiracy theorist or you're not paying attention. <laughs> so I was like, and I'm like, yeah, and he's neither of those. So there we are. Um, so she saw that the teasing is what she caught on to. She okay. just felt the teasing was not a good sign. And she was right. So, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. There's always one friend. I think there's always one friend that's like, everybody's like, yeah, whatever makes you happy. okay. That's awesome. But there's always one friend that's
1: like, "Mm," you know, but Yeah. yeah, she saw it and like, and, um, she like, I really, you know, I will I will never not listen to her again. <laughs> um, I also will never, I also think that my radar is really good on these people now, but um, you know, she saw, and when things got worse later, she like, she check on me. She like, she asked for the police, like the local police. And, like she just really, yeah. Um, I can say the bad part of the story, but yeah, she knew, or like, she didn't know how bad it was going to be. Sure. Obviously. Right. She just was like, that is not something good. Um, sure. And she saw some stuff. I went to visit with her over summer of 2020 and he was like cl- calling and texting nonstop while I was visiting her. And she noted that she's like, why can't he just let you be with your friend? Right. And she was right. And I yeah. like, I acknowledge that in fact, it, it, he was being super controlling, super. Um, and so she saw it because I was in her home and she could see yeah. how frequent he was calling and texting. Uh, and
0: and did that bother you? Like if she had not said something, let's just say she saw it, but just didn't say something. Did that bother you?
1: That you, know, you finally did. had
0: time with your, your close friend and he wanted to control and, and you had to respond to him and stay in contact all the time?
1: It did because um, perhaps not coincidentally, but not surprisingly, in the about the month leading up before I went to that trip, Um, he had, like, I was honestly thinking about ending it because he was really becoming a jerk. He was, the teasing was like, like a level 11. It was just getting, you know, he was just, he was acting like a child. Like, honestly, I don't know how to describe it. And he behaved like, it was like dealing with an eight year old. He would tease me. He would say things. He would do these little competitive games. I was like, it was like talking to a, someone in the second grade. And so I was just getting weary of this, that, that behavior. And so when she invited me to, you know, just spend a long weekend there, I was like, great. I'll drive my, I'll drive out cause it's COVID. I'll drive whatever. And suddenly I go to Arizona and he turns the charm back on. So he had been a jerk for a month. To the point where I was like... And I, he probably knew that why I was going to Arizona. That I was like, oh, I just want to like get away right. from you. And then, of course, the love bombing kicked back on, which is what that was. And I, I didn't know what love bombing was. I'd never had anyone... I'd never dated a narcissist before <laughs> until this one, as far as I know. And so I didn't know... It, it was my first experience with a narcissist. It was fun. Um, I didn't know what love bombing was. And so I didn't... I knew... I was like, oh... I knew enough to be like, I'm going to Arizona, and that freaks him out. So now right. he's like doing this. Right. I just didn't have a word for what that was, so it sure. bothered me because I was like, I just want to hang out with my friend. Like, tell me
0: was- one thing. Tell me one thing he said uh, during the love bombing.
1: So it would be. I mean, it was he would be going back to the way he was at the beginning, which is like you know, um, like planning things. I and mean, again, we're still like. The, we're in lockdown, but like by that point, I think we could eat outside or something. Right. <laughs> it's at least something right. you're allowed to do. <laughs> Wasn't a lobby could eat outside, as I recall, um, in the middle of summer. Uh, he, it was like planning things and being like sending little, like love notes and text and things like that. And I do remember like getting a few texts late at night. I was trying to go to sleep and I'm in like her guest house and I realize I'm on audio. So your, your, um, listeners can't see the face I might make, but I remember my, you know, my iPhone is on the bedside table and I get a text and I like, look at the phone. I see it from him and I see it's just like all flowery. And I remember like rolling my eyes and putting my <laughs> phone back down. And I like laughed to myself. I'm like, of course, cause I went out of town. Like, I just didn't know. Cause listen, right. I've had not crazy guys do that to me before, where it's like, it's like this, you know, you get tired of their game. And so you don't communicate as much. And then suddenly they're all over you. So like, yeah. I thought it was, I thought it was that what I had experienced before with other men that were not awful, <laughs> just general variety, like, you know, guy BS, I guess. Yeah.
0: Okay, so we have our yellow flags, possibly some red flags. Yeah and somewhere along the way you decide that you're going to go to texas you're going to buy the house yep. and you pack your bags and you guys drive across country
1: yes yep
0: all right did you drive together across country
1: no we drove uh we we drove our separate cars so, okay but you
0: kind of yeah. followed each other
1: yeah we followed each other on the road okay
0: uneventful got there in 2 days
1: yeah Two yeah, two and a half days, pretty okay. uneventful. Um, so it was, you know, summertime. So that we didn't have weather issues until the very end. Um, but no, there was no problems. I was in my car, he was in his car, like made it to uh North Texas fairly uneventful.
0: And were you excited? Were you like, Oh my god, this is a new beginning? Or were you like, I hope I'm doing the right
1: thing? Well, you know, it was a mix of both because I was excited, but right before we moved. I started to see, like, at this point, I knew it was a red flag. Uh, he did a few spooky things right right before he moved. Like, I had already bought the house, so I'm kind of stuck because, I mean, in retrospect, I wish I had called my realtor and was like, can you put that thing back in the market? Because I'm not coming. Um, I wish I had done that. <laughs> <And> in the <laughs> 2021 market, I probably would have made money <laughs> still. But anyways, um, right before we moved, there was a few times where he picked a really nasty fight out of the blue and got spooky. And I, again, I never seen someone get like that. I've also gotten, I've gotten in arguments with people before, but this was, and. Can I, can I ask yeah. you a question about yeah. that?
0: Yeah. So when he was like that, um, did he have a, a different look in his eyes? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Did he use yeah. a different tone? Yes.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. It was a full, like... I mean, it was like a mask came off. Yeah. And a demon came out. Yeah.
0: Okay. So it was intense.
1: It was intense. I. It literally was like he was possessed by a demon. I mean, it was like... I don't know how. what other analogy to use, but it was like a different personality came out. It was spooky. Mm. And it happened, I think, twice. There was two instances. And afterwards... There was a big apology and crying and you know <laughs> love bombing and I didn't you know I, I, trust me I wish I had like seen it for what it was he chalked it up to the stress of moving divorce. and he's finalizing the divorce and all this other stuff and so and his kids about to go to college and so he's chucking up to this and I'm like okay I don't react really like stress to that but you know gee. And he had been in the military, and so he would use his alleged... I say alleged because I actually am not sure he actually had PTSD. Like, it's not... It's a real thing. People have it. I actually now have it. But um, he lied about so much. I don't know how much it was true about this piece. But he would cite his military service as an excuse for the behavior. And, you know, I had never... um, I had never dated someone who had been in the military. Everybody I dated before him were corporate people like myself, like executives, lawyers like me. So I I was like, okay, maybe that's, I know enough from just (laughs) reading the news that that's a thing. So I bought, that was his excuse and I bought it for a little bit. Um, so in those two instances, he also fed in the, like, the military background mm-hmm. as the excuse. And okay. he, promised he, was gonna get, he said he was going to get help. So
0: This conversation has been insightful. And I think we're just laying the groundwork of what life will be like in Texas. Join us on our next episode with Heather Wilson as we continue this conversation. I'm Barb Jordan. Thanks for joining me on Always Bev, The Ripple Effect.